not. Um, our children and their children would one day live it out automatically because they watched us as we lived it out. We pray this as we trust you and we know that you are a God that we can rely on and trust. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 <clears throat> so for those of you who are joining us on Facebook, if you have any questions, please feel free to ask them in the comment section and throughout our time, we will get to it sometime or another. And so we want you to know that. Amy says, hello, George. <laughs> hey, Amy. Well, let us begin. We are going to, again, talk about uh, this wonderful text. Um, any further thoughts about, before we move on to uh, verse 25, which is the main topic, you know, we talked about, let us consider how to stir, or as the NIV says, spur on. And sometimes we really do need a, a, a kick, you might say. Like mm. like the like riding a donkey or a horse and the spur mm -hmm. presses in to force the horse to go or force the donkey mm -hmm. to go. And why is it that we need that? Like why do first of all, we're supposed to consider how to I'm supposed to consider how to get you, George, to uh, love and good works. And you're supposed to think about how to get me. Why do we need to do that? Yeah, I think there's a number of reasons why the Lord chose that. I would definitely say one is to bring encouragement. You know, I think we, even when you may have referred to Hebrews 12, verse 1, that great cloud of witnesses. Mm. Um, I think one of the things that is so beautiful, and um, in a message that I sent today to actually all our church partners and friends, I said to them, we encourage you now out of Africa. For years, you've encouraged us. You pushed us and you said, come on, you can do it. Go deeper, go harder. Know the children by name. Bring Jesus to them. Do not rest until they know beautiful life and let your feet be beautiful. Now, um, it, it's just so ironic that the whole thing has flipped. And at the moment, the brunt is on the very people that encouraged us. We are encouraging now out of Africa. And we are saying, come on now, you've seen, you've heard, live it out now. So I think one of the biggest reasons is to, to stir it up. But I think, Sam, why, why it's so important for us, we were wired. We, I always say Christianity is like water in your hand. You cannot hold it. You, the moment you try to close down, the moment you try to build higher walls, the moment you try to contain it, you lost it. It's impossible to contain. We are broken jars. And, and so we're full of cracks. It's beautiful when that water falls out of us because wherever we walk, we mess that water on dry ground and it falls on seed that is waiting to come up. And so we've got to constantly push each other to say, be messy, spill over, mm. let it fall, let it fall, let it fall. Because the more you let it fall, the promise of God is the more it will come. And so, so many times I hear people say, I have, I'm so far away from God. I haven't heard God. I haven't seen. I said, mm. Well, maybe it's time for you to, to just clean it out a bit. Get it yes. out. Let it go. Find God in the broken man that lives next to you. So many times we sit in our lazy boy in our lounges and we say, if God will only speak to me. And God said, just open the front door and walk out. I am everywhere. I'm waiting for you. Come. I will fill you. I will inspire you. And I really believe that's the biggest reason. Jesus loves us. He wants to be with us. But where is he? He's out there. He's not in your lounge sitting in a lazy boy. He's out there with the broken people. And he's constantly inviting us and say, come and be with me. Not because he needs us. That's self-arrogant. That's self-righteousness, right? Mm. He doesn't need us, but he wants to show us. He's, we are his children. He wants mm -hmm. to show off. He wants to mm -hmm. show us what he's doing. And when we see his heart, that's what brings uh, growth and joy to us. I really mm. believe that's why he spurs us on for good deeds. Yeah, no, that's good. 
it's a, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that just like, um, <laughs> I think of a horse or an, or a donkey, you know, that is just busy chewing their food. They don't want to move. It's comfortable. Comfort's a very, yes. very powerful thing. Yes. And just what you said is that it keeps us from wanting to move forward. What do you yes. think? And we know there are many things that cause us to break from that comfort. And one is definitely trial, right? That comes our way. How does God use one another to actually also break us free from that stasis, that sense of lazy boy mentality? Like, how do, how do I get um, you to move? How do you get me to move? Especially when we are sitting there, you know, in our lazy boy or where we're comfortable, we we're secure, we're safe. We don't. Yes. Yes. And, you know, and I think we talked about this before, but in the West safety is such a God. It's such an idol. Yes. Safety. It's all about, I just need to be safe and talk about a time where it's all about safety. Uh, How do we not succumb to that idol even at this time? And how do we get other people to think beyond the comfort, the safety, the security? Yeah, exactly. Um, I I think we first need to go back and confess, as you said, that we are on that. um, And we are in a culture that has broken away from the incredible beauty of community and that got us into such deep trouble now um i just thought a little bit about it sam today if we're going to talk about tonight the big thing that we really want to talk about is forsaking that fellowship coming together being part of that um i think we've got to start and realize we are so individualistic now. We've forsaken it so much that um, we lost that uh, community that God gave us, basic community. Um, if you just think of a community and, and how many layers it's been made up of. And we can just use one uh, layer of that community, for example, old people. And may I dare to say, in the United States, when you turn 65, you are told, now it's time to pick up your golf sticks and go and play golf. Um, and yet, that's a time when that layer is the most precious, beautiful, most experienced, wise layer that should be in the community and it should bring up the young people and encourage them and stir them up and disciple them and challenge them. But we've cut the layer like that. I just, there's many layers we can talk about. I just want to use an example there and cut that layer out. And so we, we separate, we broke it open. And that's why we're in such trouble asking these questions right now. Yes, yes, yes. So with that in mind, I'm going to move to verse 25. Because I think verse 25 is sort of the outflow of verse 24. And... Um, there's a really key word there that actually, there are many, 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 right? But one, one word that I thought was interesting as I was looking it up and, and reflecting on is the word not neglecting. And the word neglect is actually almost too light of a word from all the words, uh, the studies that I've read. It's essentially the word abandon. Yeah. Like abandoning such as Israel abandoning the covenant. And it's a really such a strong word. It, it's meant to show just how critical meeting together is. That is to say that if you abandon meeting together, then it in some way reflects just the darkened heart of, of us against the Lord ultimately that it will lead to that there will be a drifting away yes yeah you know the abandoning of abandonment means abandoning um that 
the implications of abandoning a meeting together, our very souls are at stake, actually, because that's how God draws us together. And that's actually a reflection of heaven, is heaven is a place where eternally we meet together. And to leave behind meeting together here on earth is a real, um, it, it, it does not reflect what the church is always supposed to be, which is a shadow of heaven itself. You know what I mean? So the more yeah. we're not meeting together, the more we're not reflecting our eternal uh, state where we're supposed to be meeting together. And in that sense, there's a real danger, not just of meet, not meeting together, but ultimately of not meeting the Lord. What do you think about that? That the two go hand in hand. And that's why yeah, I, the I, Hebrews I, writer uses such a strong word to describe, we cannot do this. Yeah, and, and, and we, we read that not just in Hebrews, but we read that in a couple of different passages in the New Testament, constantly urging the believers not to forsake the fellowship of the, the saints, not to give up. And so um, it, this just tells us that this is not a new thing. This is not something that, that's a 21st century thing that we're not meeting suddenly together. It was a problem in the early church already. It was a problem that they already dealt with. And so, um, you know, we need to ask ourselves, what are some of the reasons that um, why people didn't want to meet? Um, what was the reasons why they felt um, meeting was not necessarily important for them? Because I think that's what we need to look at. And so one of the things I addressed here was the community, the larger community. And we can talk a little bit about that if you want to say, yes. but before that, or even if we just make it a bit bigger and then go smaller, um, People would not meet. One reason would be because they just don't feel they need it. They, they are, it's nearly, I want to say, arrogant. Now, this is, mm -hmm. if you study in the New Testament, mm -hmm. you look at this, you see that that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons why people might think, I don't need to meet. I can do it. It's me and Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, that's, that's something very tough for us to hear but I think it's definitely um, a reason why people think they don't need to meet and we need to understand that this is something that Satan would love to bring is that disunity to break up that unity because he understands that when we frequently and in numbers meet together it is having a like-mindedness in the faith Yes, the thing is bringing a like-mindedness. And this cuts so against the grain of our, um, I'm individualistic, I'm myself. I don't need to be like-minded. And that's why we're such a lonely generation. Mm -hmm. That's why we struggle so much. That's why we're falling apart in so many ways, emotionally and in our marriages and we have so many challenges because we don't experience the privileges of community anymore, real community, mm -hmm. because we see it as an infringement on our privacy, but it's actually exactly the opposite. It's bringing a richness to us. I mean, some of it might be, for example, um, you know that studies show um, because when you talk about this community, we don't just talk about meeting on a Sunday for two hours. Mm -hmm. That's massive. According to the Bible, that's where we get instructed and encouraged and taught how to live it out. But during the week, like we read in Acts 2.46, every day they met together. They went to the temple courts, but they also broke bread in their, in their homes. They ate together and they were glad and sincere in their hearts. And the church grew rapidly because they had a witness of a community within, um, within the, the wider community. So the moment you lose that community and you're an individual, how do you live out your faith? You know, if you look at um, nations 
I will use my country to make sure I don't walk in the wrong place here. <laughs> in South Africa, if you look at uh, um, the, the people that came from Portugal to South Africa, they are such a strong community within the larger community. And they are known for certain things. They are known for who they are because they're a community. They express that community. And we were called to be a community like that. We are called to be God's people. And in a practical way, even, that uh, um, people are saying that when a child grows up in a home where there are three generations, the child, the parents, and the grandparents, that that child has got a distinct advantage over a child that only grows up with two generations. And in South Africa, more than 50% of our children grow up with one parent. So how do you bring that beautiful concept of community, of God's people coming together, where the children, the youth, which by the way, is not really biblical, after a child you become an adult, right? But that mm -hmm. young people are so impressible, they need role models, the young married people need older people. My son Joshua, I spoke to him this year and I said to him, I will only give you one advice. Find a wise, godly, elderly gentleman and ask him, please, will you be my mentor? I said to Joshua, just do that for me. Because when you do that, you're on the right road. You, you tap into God's people. You tap into his community. You get somebody that will guide you how to look after your wife, how to bring your children up, how to go to church, how to submit when things are tough in church, how to cope when there's tension in church, how to bring your gifts to church in and outside the building. But just think for a moment, Sam, all of us have been given gifts. Paul is very clear about it. All of us have gifts. Now, if I only go to church ad hoc, how can, how can my gifts build the rest of the body up? Mm -hmm. There are people that Sunday sitting in that church that are desperate for hearing from me with my gifts. And I decide, my, I'll be quite honest, I decide, no, my child wants to go and play soccer this Sunday. So we'll go to church one Sunday a month. What message do we give to your child? What do you say to your child when you say to him, it's okay to go and play soccer on a Sunday morning when God's people come together? Or when you go to a prayer meeting every ad hoc? It's just, I spoke to you earlier this week about um, your, the lady who was in, what was her name, Rice? Um, she was your secretary, state secretary during uh, 11, Condoleezza Rice. Con Condoleezza Rice, she yes. shared a testimony recently and I asked her, how did you cope in 9-11? How did you manage to handle that pressure? Because she was a special advisor for the government on security and, and people said she failed. And she said, I survived because I watched my parents and my church, how they coped when the bombings took place in Birmingham. I watched them how they cope when JF Kennedy was assassinated. I watched how they went through crises like the COVID-19 and the way my church and community, because they were so closely knitted, because they cared for each other so deeply, because there was such a unity, I watched them and I learned from them. Mm. And when 9-11 came, I was ready, even if I never thought I would be ready, because my church community prepared me for this. Can we honestly say today that we are prepared for COVID-19 COVID because of our church community that we've been faithfully served and attended and loved and spent our days with? Mm. That's a question we need to ask, not to condemn anybody, <clears throat> but to say, let's, let's go back to that advice that Paul and the Bible is giving us. Let's not forsake mm. this. There's a reason. It's not just getting from you. You receive also and your children. Mm. You know, this uh, season that we are meeting like this, you know, we're meeting online and having worship online. Um, I know for me, I really miss meeting together. Yes. And, you know, as much as, 
in many ways, there have been many blessings from this time. I feel as though a lot more people are praying together, spending a little bit more time trying to have significant conversations, trying to see if everyone's okay. So there's a lot of blessings that definitely come from the fact that we are stuck, we have to be inside. And, uh, but I do miss meeting together. And I was wondering what you thought about this. Uh, I think there could come a time where all of this fades, we are done, we're outside, uh, we worship together. We can now be in each other's presence. But someone out there might say, you know, I sort of really liked worshiping on Sunday like this. It's funny because we were worshiping. Um, what I did was I asked different people, and this is not to, this is not at all to pick any person, because I think this happens all over the place. It's funny because uh, I was reading an article today. I'm going to backtrack one and then move forward. I was reading an article today, and it was about the fact that a lot of clothing stores, they've done really well in selling tops but not bottoms. Do you understand why? Yes, yes, yes. Everyone is uh, yeah. wearing their pajamas. Yes. <laughs> Pajama bottoms, yeah. but nice shirt. That's all anyone sees, yes. you know, now on these yes, things. Yes, yes, And as we were having worship, you know, as I asked everybody at church, please send us a picture of your, yourself worshiping, you know, on Sunday. And people are wearing pajamas or, you know, and... Um, sitting on their couch, comfortable. It's, it's very comfortable. So after this is all done, someone might say, I don't, why do I need to go to, uh, actually go to a building? I'll just join on the internet. You know, I mean, this is legitimate, isn't it? We're doing it anyway, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. why do I need to go eventually? Now I have some answers for that. I wanna hear first from you and then, cause I think people could have that question or at least that temptation. Yeah, especially in light of this verse. Yeah, and I think there is, there has been in the last few years, um, frequently a big push, and certainly many churches would more and more openly say, um, and if you can't come to church, catch us online. I know churches that are doing that, and I don't want to say it's right or wrong, because for some people, that might be the only way that they could actually hear the God's word, you know? Mm -hmm. So, as an alternative, but I do think um, there's grave danger in that, grave danger, mm. in the sense that we are not meeting one-on-one. -on -one. We are, at the end of the day, we're in a fourth revolution, industrial revolution, but we are not robots, we are still people. And C.S. Lewis said, we are not a body with a soul inside, we're a soul with a body. <laughs> And, and we are people that need to experience emotions and see each other and listen and, and talk to each other. In Hands at Work, for example, we are so determined to create this rhythm of meeting um, constantly, and it's non-negotiable. We do not say if you feel like that. If you, if you come part of Hands, that's who we proudly are. And I tell you, once you experience those rhythms, you do not want to get out of them because you experience the richness of it. And, and so we would have prayer meetings every single day where all of us come together, sometimes just men and sometimes just ladies. Otherwise, all of us, we'll have small groups. Um, we will eat in each other's homes. I think eating is a huge mm -hmm. part of community. Mm -hmm. Again, I, I already feel quite guilty and I, I pray that all my friends will know my heart and, and know that I'm just trying to be a support, okay? Mm -hmm. But again, I've read article after article saying to me, especially in Europe, but I think it might be the same in North America, less and less people invite each other into their homes. If they're going to eat together, they rather go and eat in a restaurant or something. I want to just encourage you, come into each other's homes. Last night, we had... Um, Thomas and Terry with us eating, it was just a highlight for us. Just sitting together and eating and laughing and praying and asking each other for wisdom. And they left and I said to Carolyn, wow, it was like an injection for us. It was just beautiful. And so 
enhanced work we and in fact the last 15 years every wednesday night carol and i ate with somebody in our, in our house and so we've got different families just coming and you know that's when we sit on a veranda and i look him in the eye my friend tyler or fazam or whoever and i say so tell me how are you really doing hmm. or he said to me you know i've been waiting to talk to you about this can we just chat through this can you just pray for me Mm. it's beautiful it's needed it's important this it's a the i always believe and i explain the trinity is a community they invite us into the community we were made for community but you see selfishness will always take you away from community mm. always mm. somewhere there's a lie that if i'm alone i can have more i can choose more but i travel a lot sam and i promise you to be alone it's a terrible thing. And I can be with many people and I can be very alone because it's not my community. When I go home and I walk into my community, man, the richness, the beauty, it's beautiful. And so many of us are robbed. And so many people in church are desperately hungry, but they just can't find it. We use the word community. We say, come to our faith community, come to our church community. But honestly, we go there, it's announcement, but, and we all get in our cars and we go home, we see each other next Sunday. Half of us getting our cars and we are desperate for people mm. to engage with us in our lives. That's why we do community. Mm. That's why we come together. And of course, one of the big reasons also is, I spoke earlier that there are layers. I believe in a church must be multicultural, if at all possible. I know it's not always possible, but if it is, that's the vision from Jesus. Everybody come together. That's his vision. But if that's not possible, there are still many layers in your community. And um, when we in a community, we respect those layers, the gatekeepers, the elderly people, the young people, the the, the teachers, the worship leaders, and we all come together and we listen and we enjoy each other. It uncovers our blind spots. Diversity show you your blind spots. Because you see, in my, in my culture, when three white Afrikaners come together, you leave them for five minutes, they think they're the tribe of Benjamin. That's just how it is. I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> but you bring one Englishman in there or an African person and they just cut you open like a fish. <laughs> and they remind you of your history and, remind, and, and suddenly they burst your bubble. And I really believe that's why it's important for us to allow different people into that community because it brings a richness. It brings Christ from another view, from another culture, from another way to look at. And so we should not be scared of that. We should embrace that. That is the beautiful mm. part of his tapestry coming together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, that's good. I also think that well, another reason why while this works from a temporary basis, it, it just has no lasting power is, I just don't, you don't think it's possible in the long term to be able to truly love one another. Because I think one of the challenges of a flesh community of being together physically in each other's lives is you have to deal with the mess. You have to deal with, I could always turn someone off right now if I don't like what they're saying, I just say, oh, I'm going to move on. Or I could be talking to you, but in the background, I'm actually typing, doing, working on a spreadsheet for work, you know, or, and hmm. there's something to seeing someone eye to eye, shaking their hand, God forbid, even hugging them. God forbid. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is really good for us non-hugging people. Yes, <laughs> but um, you know when you have to meet with people and you're actually living life together, you deal with the mess of it all because you're in their physical presence. And as much as this is a good alternative, but it's not the same as being in the same room. Yeah. There is something about that, and you know, I was, <laughs> I was uh, just you know, whatever you think about this, but we are, 
where God has created us to be physically present. And even Jesus became flesh and dwelt amongst us. He could have, you know, he could have just said, hi, everyone, and from heaven, and, but he became flesh. He suffered physically on a cross. And when we don't have that, we really miss something significant when it comes to community. And I firmly believe that. Totally, yeah. I, I absolutely agree with you, Sam. And that's why for us, even the backbone of what we do is we say it's holy home visits. Mm. Um, that's that presence. That's it. I'm walking to your house. Yes. Um, many, many years ago, a young boy, um, I stood at his door visiting him and he looked up and he saw a lady came walking towards him. She, she was still about 20 meters away or something. And his whole face just lit up. It was unbelievable. And he started jumping up and down and he shouted at the top of his voice, there comes my mother. And I thought his mother passed away. Well, it wasn't his mother. It was a local Christian that made it her business to two, three times a week go and visit this boy to sit. You know that, in fact, on the front door of his hut, he had a knife and he carved out her name. And he said, this is my mother. And her name was carved out on his door. That's the impact that that woman had on that orphan being visited two or three times a week. Hmm. So sometimes I wonder, did everything start going wrong when we stopped visiting in each other in homes? Isn't that maybe where, to, you know, I grew up when we had visits from people, right? Mm -hmm. Churches, church leaders, we went mm -hmm. to people and we, we, we they were did together. holy home visits. They did holy home visits. They really did. Yes. And um, I love, even if you go to, I went to City Impact in San Francisco with a couple of people and we went from door to door and knocked on people's door. And, you know, there was one person and they wouldn't open the door further than this. And um, it was an Afro-American and somebody said, oh, this guy is from Africa, pointing to me. And I said, hey, man, I'm so happy to see you. And the door opened a little bit wider. And I said, where are you from? And a person said to me, Nigeria. I said, ah, I love Nigeria. I go to Lagos so often. And the door opened up and I said, you want to come in? And I walk in and it was like, you wanted to close the door behind me. You didn't want the other people to come in. <laughs> and we had a wonderful afternoon. It was just like we connected immediately and I could just mm. encourage that person and, and it just opened the door so yes. much. Yeah. Um, we must take those steps. How beautiful are the feet of them that bring the good news. Mm -hmm. We visit them because we were visited first. Mm -hmm. That's gospel. How can we believe John 1.14 and the word became flesh and the flesh, Eugene Peterson said the flesh moved into our neighborhood. Man, it's time for us to move into people's neighborhood. One of the great things about this, where the church, we can't be in church, is that we have to live out our church and our homes. And I just trust and hope that people can, their neighbors can see and they can hear when their people worship and how they do church at home. Because maybe that's the first time they ever heard that you actually belong to a church. Because your church was so private thing to you. Because we live in a generation of a social media bubble, okay? We only allow those we like. We pick and choose carefully who's on your Twitter account. And if a guy want, makes one tweet that you don't like, you're unfollowing. You don't deal with it. You don't say, why do you say that? Just unfollowing. So it's very easy today and convenient to just surround you with a few people that sing from the same hymn sheet as you, and they always pat you on the back and tell you how great you are. And they've got the same petty issues of everybody else. We are not called for that. We are called to be a, a community that then go into the wider community with confidence and bring Christ, the soul, mm. the flavor into a broken world. Mm. But it's got to start from a community. Yes, yes, yeah. No, that's, um, you know, this concept of some are in the habit of not meeting together. Mm. Some are in the habit. 
how do you think that happens? Again, I have a... Yeah. Well, I don't think, I mean, <laughs> I don't think somebody just tried to do fraud on credit, you know, like credit card fraud. I don't think a married man walk out of his house in the morning and say, today's the day I'm going to cheat on my wife. I don't think I don't think it happens like that. I think it grows on you. Mm -hmm. I think gradually you start becoming critical. You start mm -hmm. um, even getting out of your duties, your rhythms, where you always used to support and work in a church, where you used to serve. We used to go in enhanced work. I always say to the guys, if you want to know who a leader in my eyes is, a senior leader, is that you are. 20 minutes at early at the meeting and you sweep the floor, you pack the chairs and then you watch everybody coming in because if you want to know who's not doing well in hands, you'll see it when they walk into a meeting at eight o'clock in the morning. It's the only place you'll see it. After that, they've got their makeup and you won't catch it. You are too busy. <laughs> but if you really care, go and stand at the door and watch. You will see exactly who needs attention that day who needs to be looked after, who might need a little bit of a stern word. Honestly, Sam, it's unbelievable how you can notice. And I think that's a shepherd, right? The shepherd stand at the gate and he watches his sheep mm -hmm. coming in. He mm -hmm. counts them, he look at their well-being, he, he can see when they walk hard. So we are called in a church to be that leaders, to, to serve. But slowly then you start moving towards the back of the church, start mm -hmm. doing less, start yes. becoming critical. <laughs> Maybe our language must cha change a bit to help all of us. Sam. Listen to what we say. We call it a service. Like we sit and then they serve us. Somebody play music and then somebody speak and then they bring in the collection and we pay them for that. That's why people are so critical. I don't believe it should be like that. You know, I honestly believe in Africa. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful when people get out of their chairs and they walk to the altar, to the front, and they go and give their love offering to God. Mm. They get off their chairs and they take it there because they want to give it. They choose to give it. The, you know, so, so maybe we must really look at everything we've done, maybe for convenience sake and whatever in the beginning, but slowly it started forming reasons why we believe we can go and sit down and critically look at everything and God forbid Pastor Sam say anything that wraps me up because then I, I might not come back or I might go look for another place that can feed me. Hmm. And, and, and I think we need to address that. We need mm. to say, no, we are there to serve, to become mature, to grow, and to be a blessing to other people. The church needs me. I need the church. And it's a massive privilege that I'm in a church. The church is the body of Jesus. Mm. And he took this sinner, this sinner, and he said to me, you can be part of this. That's unbelievable. It's beautiful. That habit, um, the way you've described it, is uh, it is far too easy to get to that place. And I always think it takes, it can take many different forms. It could take just one hurt feeling. I know you have, you've shared stories with me where one person will be hurt and they don't deal with it. No one really presses them on it. And it starts growing in a person's heart. It grows really the root of bitterness. And slowly but surely, the heart becomes hard. And they start distancing themselves. And that distancing, it's very interesting. Don't you find it to be interesting that, um, I, I found this to be true, is that um, a person can be sitting in the front row or in the second row, in the third row. But if they have that hurt and it's unchecked and it becomes hard, they slowly start moving towards the back. <laughs> because again, physical presence is a big part of our fellowship. And what more real way to show a break in fellowship than the chasm between me and you increasing over time. So whether it's someone sitting before in the front to the back, or maybe we don't talk to each other on the phone anymore, or 
we used to eat together quite often. Now we don't do that anymore. And it, it really becomes this, it's, it's more like a, it is a habit, but it's also a habit that has been formed based on, it could be multiple reasons, my sin, someone else's sin, misunderstanding, and just all of that left unchecked leading to real division and dissension. And it, it really is not just about separating from the community, but I, I've been preaching through First John. We see that it's also about separation from Christ because you can't just leave. It, it's so hard to leave a community with bitterness and then go to another one and thrive with the Lord. You know, when I'm, when I'm angry or frustrated by that person over there, it's hard to be joyous in Christ with that person over there. Don't you think? We're not built that way. What If I'm angry, and, and I think that's Jesus' point in Matthew 5, is that if you're angry with your brother, go. Don't come to me at the altar. First, go reconcile. Then come. You know, so there is a definitive impact that we have when we are wrestling you know, with different people and, and the habits start forming. I think the challenge is not that we, of course, some of this can take time. Reconciliation can take a while. Processing all that can take a while. It's not always so easy because maybe one person doesn't want to reconcile, the other person does. But I know in my heart when it's all about me, I just do not want to because it's sheer pride. And that's it. I'm saying, no, I'm done with you. I don't care. I don't care if you come and ask for forgiveness. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do that. And that is a, that's a really deadly place to be in, don't you think? And why do you get to that place, Sam? And maybe we can just ask a question. Why are we even talking about this mm-hmm. in the middle of the mm-hmm. <laughs> crisis, uncertainty? Remember we said in the beginning of our talks, we said we're making a commitment. We are not just waiting for this uncertain times to go away so that we can carry on. We're not going to do that. We made a promise. Lord, we're going to use this time. It's near like a picture the Lord stopped the sun, right? And he said, now deal with this thing. You know, it's like when parents throw two children in a room and close the door and say, do not come out until it's dealt with. I really believe there's a bit of opportunity for us to dig deep and to be genuine and to humble ourselves and to find that old stuff that needs to come out. So when... God allows us times to go past that we can be stronger and better. So that is why we talk about these things. Now, if I'm not actively part of a community, in other words, the elders don't know me, my small group leader doesn't really know me, I don't have uh, people that advise me and know my challenges in my life. If I now get very offended by you, who is going to be my support structure? Who can I go to? Because, you know, one of the things that we, we talk about spiritual laws, it's the same as physical laws. When you jump off the roof, you're going to go down. It doesn't matter what you believe. You're going to hit the ground. Mm-hmm. The same with physical laws. Once you're offended, I want everybody to please hear me just on this thing. Please take this serious. Once you're offended and you don't have a circle of protection around you, I promise you, if you're a human being, you will go, I'm not saying willingly, but you will go and find someone who's got a like-minded spirit and you'll connect with them. That is a spiritual law. That's why we need to be protected. Once that, that offense come or that hurt or that disagreement or that disunity or whatever, you've got to have people that surround you and say, we're not going to let you out here. We're not going to let you. We love you. We care for you. But we're going to hold you until you deal with this thing. By God's grace, you've got a very good fighting chance because you're surrounded. If you are not surrounded, my friend, you will go and you will seek until you find somebody that hurts like you. And you will connect with them. And they will be the beginning of your end. That's why we need people when things are good. 
we need to be transparent with people. We need to tell people, you know, again, if I can refer to hands, as leaders, as men, we ask each other very tough questions. Very tough. If we travel, we, we look each other in the eye and say, have you, have you been close to anybody like that? Have you done anything? We talk hard. We keep short accounts. We, we, are, we accept I am my brother's keeper. I am. I want to know things. Um, and sometimes we speak deep into each other's marriages and the way we care for our children. And I know many people's hair go up straight now. My friend, I, we are so blessed. We've saved marriages. People will tell you, Nance, there are marriages today that are thriving, that were falling apart, but because they opened up for leaders to honestly speak deep into it, today they are thriving. We all need help. But we were brought up that I can choose who knows what, and you know, and I'm so selective and private. And then we one day we catch ourselves that we are beyond what yes. we can cope with, and then we get the wrong advice, and that's when we fall. That's when it's over. On that note, I wanted to close with talking about um, an experience that I've had being in my family and I being with. Uh, the hands community for six weeks in 2011. It's, that was a while ago. It's, yeah. It seems like it was yesterday, but it's almost 10 years ago. But what a blessing it was. And by no means do I think it is a perfect community. We won't have that until we're in heaven. But at the very least, it's people who are striving to follow Jesus and to striving to follow Jesus together and are because you, you, you often talk about the idea of dig deep, digging deep. And sometimes you say, I, I have heard you say this to me, oh, I've known this person for 20 years and I decided to go deep with him and he, he's gone deeper. You know, and usually you think 20 years, have, didn't you go deep already? What is, what is it about, um, you know, the community at hands that makes uh, just brings people together i also know that people have left you know and have have decided not to be a part of that community and what keeps it going and what are some things that we can learn as a community of faith that is actually in some way able to not that hands is the perfect model of it but it is a a model and it is a picture of what it means to strive to follow Jesus, what does that what does that look like? So, just a big general question, because I think most people hear about it, but they don't really know, and they'd love to know what it's like. And I'll press you on or a question, a couple of things as you're going along. The words we use is we say, "I'm one beggar showing another beggar way to find bread," um, and so where we start off with is that none of us have arrived. Um, and we adhere, we make choices and we say, what are the core values that we want to live by and why? The reason why is simple. We want people to see us as ordinary people that at least once a week, we've got a big crisis among us, you know, disunity, anger, what it, at least once a week. So, and that is the power of our community is we are so ordinary. We are so typical, like everybody. But once you've experienced the liberty that you throw all your toys out of the cot and that night people just come to your house um, and they brought a cake and coffee and they said, hey, let's watch a movie together. That, when that starts happening, you realize, you know what? even in my ugliest place and moment, they still want to be around me. Mm. And so we want to grow together. Yes. And then it starts that long, obedient walk. That's so against our culture of instant, immediate. We change from glory to glory through decades. We change slow. Mm. And that is the thing that's so beautiful. Um, looking back, you know, I look at some of our leaders and 
I unashamedly remind the young leaders when I tell them about the old leaders, I tell them what these guys did when they were young. <laughs> and sometimes the young leaders, their mouths will hang open. And I will say to them, you know, his own pastor told me, chase him. <laughs> you know? And I said, I couldn't. He said, I, I said, no, we're going to dig it out. And today these guys are our top leaders. But we, we went through the good, the bad and the ugly together. And people had to pick me up many times, Sam. Honestly, they've seen my worst side over and over. And they still respect me. In fact, I believe they respect me more as a leader because they know all my fears, my flaws, and they know I love them, I'm committed, and they love and commit to me. And, and that's, that's where the true freedom comes in. Mm. It's by far the biggest gift. The one thing I can just say to you is when people come to Africa to go into the communities where the children live, that's beautiful. And they find the expression of their faith, the good deeds, and it helps them to contextualize why they are so blessed, that they can be a blessing. But they don't go home and say, I want to live like those kids live in the village because it's, it's another planet, right? But they look at the way we live. And they go back to their church and they sit with that crisis. How do we become a community like that? Now, everybody in Wellspring can't move into one big property physically. But there are many aspects. We're trying it right now. We're going to try that. <laughs> well, it might be good. Yeah. People might be really scared by what I just said, but... Uh... I, but I've then, had funny then, conversations with some people saying, you know, I wouldn't mind living in a commune. Some people say, no, I would never do that. Some people actually. So for those of you who would be open to living in a commune, post it onto the comments. And we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't sign any uh, <laughs> disclaimer yet. <laughs> Yeah, that's, it's just beautiful, uh, Sam. For me, that's... Um, and many people that leave hands because they served here for five years or 10 years, some for 15 years, mm -hmm. and they go back home and they take that with them. Mm -hmm. I've got so many examples of people, you know, they go back, some of them like Sal and Robin living in a small little town. And all they did there, they started a little church in their home because there wasn't really anything. And slowly they started drawing people in and they started giving them community. Mm. Um, it's beautiful. It's God. It's real and it sets us free. It sets us free from individualism, which is, it's not good. Yes, yes. I mean, the extreme, the extreme individualism. Yes. You know, I'm not talking, of course, yes. we all need space and, quiet times and our own and so on, yeah. Yes. Um, here's the thing is, I have noticed that at Hans, at Hans Village, um, I mean, I know you and Carolyn do this, but does everybody say leave their house open and people just come and go and, you know, because I've been in your place where someone will come in and say, you know, you're not even there, they're there, they just walk in, they'll open your refrigerator and yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know, get a, yeah, yeah. get a glass yeah. of water or something or whatever. Yes. And, yes. and I'm just going, yeah. wow, this is amazing. I'm, now, does everybody do that? Or yes. I, I think it would be very interesting to know what are, what are some things that are sort of the ethos of Hans Village living, actually living there practically. What does that look like? Yes. Yeah. And just one no, other thing, Hans Village is basically the place where um, it's the essentially the headquarters of Hands of Work in Africa. But it's also a place where all the volunteers, international volunteers, live together. And they have different homes um, that have been built by Hands. They're small flats, and they are all based on an area. And that's where a lot of the work is done, a lot of the administration, um, also, it's because I, I don't know if everyone understands what Hans Village is, and yeah. everyone lives there in different sections. And so, just to give that background, 
Yeah, and we've got a community in Zambia, and we're starting yes. one in Zimbabwe now. But the one in Zambia that I recently visited, for example, on a Friday, a Thursday night, I beg your pardon, and they meet in this big farmhouse because on the farm, they stay on the farm, this one big house. And then everybody brings what we call potluck. Just everybody brings a little bit of food. Mm. But then they all sat in a lounge. It's just gigantic lounge. And, you know, Sam, it's, I've been doing it now for 20 years, but I stand there and I watch and I see the children jumping on Uncle Brian, who's my age from Canada, and all the kids are over him. And um, Lisa sitting over there reading to the grade four and fives and young people are sitting in a corner and talking to an elder guy and they it's beautiful, it's life, it's family, it's deep, it's healing. We've had, <clears throat> excuse me, we've had um, challenges in that community, relational challenges that survived severe challenges because of us doing that on a Thursday night. But if you come to my house or if you go to Levy's house, for example, often, often I will stay in Levy's house and I will sit at the table working and people will storm in there, put the kettle on, make coffee, sit in a lounge. But other times, people will walk in there and they will just leave a cake and walk out. Nobody yes. will know where the cake comes from. And so yes. we love that. That's life. It's freedom. It's, yes. it's liberating. It's, yes. It really is wonderful. I love it. I love it when Micah, Dan's son, storm into my house he runs into the kitchen. We all sit in a lounge eating. He runs into the kitchen, open the breadboard, grab the bread, run out. And then he would just sound, he would just sound something like, mom will help you later or something like that. And he's gone, you know. <laughs> and we just look at each other and we just smile and we think, oh man, it's so great that Micah mm. can just storm into our house and grab a bread, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know again, as you've shared many times with all of that is also a lot of those deep conversations uh, yeah. where you're digging deep, where you're, you're not settling for just, um, hi, how are you? Fine. Thank you. How are you? Fine. Thank you. And go off your own way. And not to say that every time you're having this, but there is yeah. a, a truly a speaking the truth in love. And there's a, there's a trust that has been built that says, I trust you, even though this is going to hurt me, that the words are going to hurt, but I truly believe it's going to be for my ultimate good. And, and I also know that there's discernment of the timing of that. It's not as though you do it all the time. It's, it's you wait for God's time. And there are layers. We've got layers in our community. So when somebody comes to hands for a year, we will not do it. We will just love them. If we see they get into trouble, um, if it's a young lady, mm -hmm. um, Jen or Carolyn or whatever, we'll take mm -hmm. them gently one side and, and speak nicely to them. You know, we'll be very gentle. And after mm -hmm. that, people will stay for, if they want to come back, they must stay for two years. Mm -hmm. Then we would expect them not to come to Monday morning meeting with wet air and coffee and bare feet at o'clock. You know, we expect them to be there ready 10 to 8 because yes. they are now part of us. Yes. But after that, if I choose to come for longer, then we say, now you become one of us. Mm. And you say, I believe in a council of many, this wisdom. So from now on, we make a commitment. We are going to build mm. into your life. Mm. We're going to pray for you. We're going to fight for you. And we're going to fight with you. And we will never do it just me on you. You know, um, mm -hmm. if we see you out of line, then four or five of us will pray or whatever and discuss with you. And then one of us will take it maybe further. But we will not just talk with you if you've got a, if you come to us. Sometimes we will also go to you. But that you slowly join us to do that. You slowly say, I want that. Because you see how we talk to each other. You see, after you've been with us for three years and you watch how we've talked to each other many times and you see that ultimately it's absolutely done by love. Even though it might not feel like love, it is love. Mm. Um, then you, you, you desire that and you say, I want to be part of a group of people 
that are very committed to each other's well-being and spiritual maturity. We believe the gift we can give the church is to become mature because my level of maturity determines my impact on the ground. And so if I want to be, I want to have a big impact in Africa, I better be mature. Mm. Too many ministries have outgrown people's maturity and that's when the cartels come down. So we've got to become mature. And to become mature means we've got to be discipled. And that means we've got to be in a place where we trust people. And we say, I know George is tough on a Monday morning and I know this and that, but I trust the group of leaders that they will protect me and that they will grow me to become mature. Sam, that is beautiful. That's life. Mm. That I honestly believe that's a great gift for any believer who's got a desire to bring Christ's love to a broken world. That is meeting together. And I do not want to give up that habit. Um, thank you so much. And uh, for those of you who are interested, uh, we're going to have a Wellspring commune at Amy and Stephen's house. We're going to use their house as the base of operations. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're interested, oh, uh, please uh, sign <laughs> up. On, uh, we'll send a, a sign-up sheet for everyone to sign up on. And uh, uh, thank you all. And George, we look forward to worship on Sunday as we hear from you. And uh, excited to hear from the, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, see what the Lord yes. is going to show us. So Thanks, everyone, for joining us, and we'll see you again, at least regarding evening devotions on Monday. Have a great week, and we will see you on Sunday. Bye. Thanks, Sam.